Welcome to American Indian Living, a program developed by the Native Education and Health Initiative to improve and enhance the health of people throughout the Native communities. American Indian Living is hosted by Dr. David DeRose, a board-certified specialist in both internal medicine and preventive medicine. Dr. DeRose has a wide range of experience with Native health issues, and he's ready today to help you learn more about your health. Here's Dr. DeRose. Welcome to American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We're here at the venue of the National Congress of American Indians for 2017. We are recording this program in the exhibit hall in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's where NCAI is in 2017. Some of you tuning in today, no doubt, were with us here in this venue. It's an exciting venue, as it always is, as people are gathering throughout Indian country, talking about ways in which they can collaborate, ways in which they can make a difference. One of those things that is being discussed is health, making an impact in the health of tribes, making the, an impact in the health of individuals. We're talking today with individuals who are doing that, people who throughout Indian country are indeed making a difference. Across from me is Coral Parish. Coral, you have a fascinating background. You're tribally enrolled, and uh, you've been actually traveling throughout the world making a difference in people's health. Tell us, first of all, a little bit about who you are. Well, I became a nurse in the early 80s, and worked in the hospital for many years helping people. And then I had a um, opportunity to go up further north in uh, California and take a certification program to become a raw vegan chef. Mm. That was about four years ago. So this is really interesting. So here you're a nurse, conventionally trained registered nurse, correct? Correct. And then you're going to move into a direction of getting special expertise in cooking as a chef. Yes, that's right. And especially learning how to cook with plant foods. Yes, that's what we use, only plant foods and vegetables and grains. Okay, now this is very interesting. You have a fascinating background that ties you to Indian country. Now, a lot of folks throughout Indian country know some of the larger tribes but there's many small tribes among the federally recognized tribes. Are you a member of a federally recognized tribe? Yes, I believe so. In uh, Northern California, there's a tribe called the Weot tribe. Mm -hmm. And my uh, father enrolled us into that tribe when we were born. Okay, so you're tribally enrolled, the Weot tribe. And this is not one of the larger tribes in the country. Is that no. safe to say? You're safe. Yeah. Most people haven't heard of Weot. So you were sharing with me before we began this show that you have a very interesting heritage. And it it's kind of a sensitive heritage because in Indian country, there's been this longstanding tension as well as collaboration at times between the federal government and various tribes. Tell us about was it your grandmother or was it a great-grandmother who came in contact with some military personnel and had an unusual outcome? Yes, it was my great-grandmother, and we used to visit her. We would travel from the North Bay area in California up to Fort Bragg to visit our family. And mm -hmm. my uh, great-grandma 
Grandma Bowman. She lived right uh, across the street from the ocean, and she would tell the stories about when she was growing up, and it always fascinated us. And I think the story that stuck with me the most was she talked about how she uh, fell in love and got married. And okay. so, you know, those kind of stories that stick with you well. So she was telling us there was the point when they were in the area where they were living in Northern California, they were gathering up the Indians and putting them on a reservation. Mm. And she really didn't want any part of that. And when the soldiers were actually coming towards them, you know, kind of corralling them up, she jumped on a horse and she took off. And she says, I'm out of here. Well, there was a soldier who said, we can't let this happen. He took off after her. She wouldn't stop. He had to lasso her off of her horse. At, from there, they fell in love. He loved her. He wanted to support her. And they got married. And so that was our beginning, the history that I know of, of our family. Now, what I found especially interesting is you would think someone who was uh, seeming to oppose Native American interests wouldn't be interested in his wife maintaining her tribal identity, but it was just the opposite. He was very supportive, huh? He was very supportive. So you actually were raised even some, you know, a couple generations later with a, a heritage where you valued your Native American roots. Oh, we have always valued them from when we first found out about them. And our family has been interested in since we're a lot in the health field, we care about our people's health, mm -hmm. and we want to make it uh, as good as possible. So we have a desire to do health teaching and to improve the quality of uh, everyone's life. So, Coral, I know from the little we've talked, and we, just for those tuning in today, Coral and I just met. She's actually part of a team here at the National Congress who are doing health screening and health education. I'm looking actually right across at the large booth. So if you were at NCAI in Milwaukee in 2017, you likely saw in kind of a central area here in the exhibit uh, hall these booths. What, what all are you doing there? What we're doing is blood pressure screening, mm -hmm. and then we'll uh, test you for diabetes, okay. see where you're at, and... Then you have the opportunity to meet one-to-one uh, -one with our uh, physician there who's going to do health counseling mm -hmm. and get you pointed in the right direction. Okay. So you can hear about the services that they have. And Coral, as a registered nurse, is one of the people delivering those services. So when we started talking, like I said, you mentioned maybe we had met before you had come to a lecture or two or something that I had given in California. Yes, and I think uh, I heard you lecturing at Weimar in Northern California, and then maybe you're on Audioverse. Okay, yeah, or something like yeah. That. So I have a lot of health education programs that go out on on the internet, and various uh, places. So uh, this is our first time, though, really to to get acquainted, and so I was fascinated both by Coral's background and also then to learn that I don't know if it's the native roots. Or what, but something has attracted you to helping people who are underserved throughout the world. Did I understand that correctly in the little we've talked? Yes, you're, you're very right. I became a nurse because I wanted to help people first mm -hmm. and foremost. And so after working uh, for quite a few years, then I had the opportunity then to travel. Uh, I've been able to travel around the world 
and help people figure out where they're at nutritionally and try to get them on track with uh, better options. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it's been very exciting meeting uh, people and learning about them. One other part of your story that I think is fascinating is uh, the creator has had you on an interesting journey. You, you told us a little bit about it. Now, your family's roots, you said, are in Fort Bragg, so that's northern coast of California, correct? Correct. Mendocino County. And you were born there but left the Fort Bragg area at some point. Am I understanding that uh, correctly? Yes. I was born in Fort Bragg, and then my family just kind of worked their way down the coast to uh, Napa eventually, and that's where I finished growing up. Okay. Now, just for the record, if you haven't been to Fort Bragg, my wife and I have been there, oh, just a couple of times, beautiful uh, part of the state, and uh, we especially enjoyed all the wildlife that's right there on the coast. I think we saw colonies of seal and whale and other things, so place that's very close to nature there, yes. Fort Bragg. Have you seen the botanical gardens there? I don't think we saw those. Is that worth visiting too? Absolutely. In fact, the property there used to belong to our family. Really? Many acres. Then the, the state bought the property and turned it into botanical gardens. And as it used to be our family's property, mm -hmm. they let us go in for free because we have a cemetery plot in the center of that so we can go visit. Really? Well, that is very interesting. So I'm learning a little bit more about my uh, current home state. Some of you know that I still reside in Northern California. We'll have to put that on the list of destinations, the Botanic Gardens in Fort Bragg. Yes. Well, here's what I found uh, also interesting about uh, coral. And, Coral, you share with us a little bit more about this because we talked about it off air. You came back to Fort Bragg to get this special training as a chef, correct? That's correct. Now, tell us about what was so interesting about where you were living or where you got that training. Okay. Well, for one, I had always been interested in food, and I've always wanted to be a chef, although it never worked out that I could do that. Mm -hmm. Well, four years ago, I found out that there was a school close by me, and I could go there and become a, a raw food chef, which mm -hmm. thoroughly excited me. So I went up to Fort Bragg, and it's a couple, but maybe about a two-month program. So you're looking for a place to stay. I ended up staying in a bed and breakfast. Okay. And I had a beautiful room with a huge window overlooking the ocean. Mm -hmm. And I just felt very connected to that room. Well, come to find out, I was talking to the owner of the bed and breakfast, and this was called the Gray Whale Inn. The Gray Whale Inn. Yes. Okay. And he said, you know, this used to be a hospital. And he said, as a matter of fact, the room you're staying in was the delivery room. And I just couldn't believe it because I was born in that hospital right in that room where I'm now living. Wow. Isn't that amazing? That was amazing. And, you know, another reason why I found it so amazing is that it was like I was... I'd, I was making a full circle in my life. Hmm. I started out in Fort Bragg, went, became a nurse, and now I was going into the uh, health, raw food chef, and I'm right back where I started from, being born again into hmm. like a second career. Now, this is a story that 
I think resonates with all of us. A lot of people want a new start. They want to begin again. They're looking to refocus their energies. And you're really helping people do that by teaching them things that can help reverse disease processes, help them regain better health. Of course, we wouldn't say that everyone needs to be a raw food vegetarian, but if people eat more raw plant foods, just like indigenous people historically ate, I mean, this was mm -hmm. part of the diet, and to my knowledge, just about every part of Indian country, they were eating, you know, raw, some raw foods, uh, plant foods. What happens in your experience, Coral, when people start making more of those food choices? Well, that's very interesting you would ask that because what eating more raw food does is it increases your ability to have better concentration, mm. more energy, and generally a more of a feeling of well-being in your life because your body's being nourished right down into the cells where it needs to be. So you're not burdening your body with all these added oils and you're not raising your blood pressure with a bunch of added salt. And you're really just on a much simpler yet healthier lifestyle, aren't you? Yes, because the more natural that you eat your food, the less you need to alter it. So when you are cooking food, you need to add a lot of seasoning to it because you're destroying some of the taste there. So you need your salt and your pepper and your chilies and different things like that to give flavor to your food. But when you eat it more in a raw sense, then you're tasting a lot of flavors that you didn't know were even there. And you need very little seasoning to bring out those flavors. Now, I'll be honest with you. A lot of times when we talk with people about eating more raw plant foods, they think, well, I'm not going to be a rabbit. I mean, this doesn't sound too desirable to me. But when you make these dishes as a chef, people who are not used to eating raw foods, what is their reaction? Do they like the options that you make? Are they tasty? They are very tasty. And one of the questions I get most from people is, but where do you get your protein from? Because the people have been taught that they go to the animal kingdom for their protein. We want to talk about this question because it's an important one. But uh, we're going to be back with Coral Parrish. She's got a lot more information for us. And we're going to be asking this question. If you eat a lot of plant foods, where do you get your protein? That's where we're going in our next segment. Don't go away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We'll be back with more from Coral Parish and with others at the National Congress of American Indians. I'm Dr. DeRose. You're listening to American Indian Living. Don't go away. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out. For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at wrinstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. 
Emergency medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim. When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke. If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. Welcome back to American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose, recording programming from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. We're at the National Congress of American Indians here in the exhibit hall in this Midwestern city. With me, again for this segment, is Coral Parrish. Coral, if you've been with us from the top of the hour, you realize that she is not only a registered nurse, but she's also a health educator and a raw vegan chef. She's sharing with us some of her insights into health, especially as they've been shaped by her background as a registered member of the Wiat tribe in Northern California. Coral, one of the very interesting questions that often comes up as we speak about these topics is about protein. Yes. And a lot of people, as you mentioned in the previous segment, if we talk with them about eating more fruits and vegetables, eating more beans and seeds, one of the immediate reactions is, well, if I eat more of those things, I won't be eating enough meat and dairy, and that's, after all, where we get our protein. How do you respond to that type of question? Well, I respond in the fact that if you look at the spectrum of fruits and vegetables, you can look online and you can see how much protein is in serving sizes. Mm -hmm. And beans are especially high in protein. That's true. And by um, just increasing beans in your diet in whatever form you like, you're going to really give your body a lot of protein. Let's say a lentils. Mm -hmm. I believe in one serving you're getting about 30 grams of protein. Well, yeah, I know, I know they're high in protein. I don't remember how many grams. And, of course, uh, you know, sometimes we speak of servings. Dietitians will sometimes have a very metered serving size. But practically speaking, a serving may be a lot more than, quote, a serving in the dietitian's world, right? Yes. But as you're preparing these dishes and you look at the dietary composition of them, 
it's not uncommon to find that much protein in a typical dish that someone would, would eat at a meal, right? That's right. In uh, a cup and a half of beans, okay. you're going to get about 30 grams of protein. Okay, okay. A cup and a half is really not even like a whole big bowl full. Uh-huh. So you can see how much protein is concentrated in the beans. Right, right. And then there's there's uh, protein in your all your vegetables, mm-hmm. your dark leafy greens, the romaine lettuces, the kale, the broccoli. Uh, it's often said that the darker green is going to have higher concentration of the nutrients than the lighter ones. Okay. But you have uh, all of the proteins and nutrients in all the vegetables. What I find so interesting, like you mentioned, Coral, is we often think of these things as being low in protein. I mean, when I grew up, it was just like most folks, uh, yeah, it's the meat, it's the cheese, it's the dairy, that's your protein sources. I was surprised some years ago to do just what you're suggesting. I mean, this was many years ago now, but I actually looked up broccoli in one of these nutrition tables, and as I recall, I mean, it was like 30, 35% protein, if I'm recalling correctly. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, yes, not a real high-calorie food, but like you're mentioning, these green vegetables can have considerable amounts of protein such that we don't have to worry about ending up protein deficient because we're eating more plant foods. Isn't that one of the big messages? That is the message, that you can eat healthy, you can... And fruits and vegetables are lower in calorie mm-hmm. than uh, dairy and meat. So mm-hmm. you actually can eat so much more food than if you were on a, uh, a standard American diet of eating a big portion of meat. No, I mean, it's such a great point because most people fill up with things that we would say are relatively low in nutrient density. In other words, for the amount of volume they eat, they don't get a lot of nutrients And it's not just because of the, um, quote, natural options they're eating, like the, you know, the meat and the the game, but it's especially because of processed foods that add all this high fructose corn syrup or other sweeteners and fats. When you add oil to something, there's really no nutrients in it, is there? No, oil is 100% fat, and it's uh, totally devoid of any nutritional value. Wow, that would just make us uh, pause and think if we're connecting here because why would I want to fill my stomach with a bunch of calories that, as you point out, Coral, are truly empty calories? They just give you calories but no help in the uh, vitamin or mineral department, right? Right, but fat is an important part. We do need fat in our diet. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so there's healthy ways to get fat in your diet, and that is avocados. They're very, Mm -hmm. they're high in fat, but they're high in nutrition. It's a good kind of fat. You have olives, you have nuts. These kind of things give us all the the good fats that we need in our life. No, I appreciate you giving us that balance because, of course, we have a a requirement, a requirement for certain essential fats. We, We can't live without them. But as you pointed out, most people, their problem is not eating too many nuts and olives and avocados. It's using a lot of those refined fats, those oils, and they're cooking and frying, isn't it? That's right. I just had someone at the booth, Coral, you may find this interesting, who was telling me the story of someone that they knew who had actually gotten away from all those fried foods. They'd gotten on a much better lifestyle. They actually were doing so much better that it seemed like their diabetes 
was coming under perfect control when it had been so difficult to control in the past. And it's interesting, in talking with this individual, they were saying the big change that this person made, who had basically a reversal of their diabetes, was getting away from the high-fat foods, especially those fats that weren't from plant sources, the greases, the lards, the um, you know heavy-fat uh, burgers that had fat basically as part and parcel of the ground beef. Do you find a lot of people that you work with have problems eating too much fat? Yes, because that's part of our culture is mm. eating a lot of fat. Mm-hmm. There's a, the diet that most people grew up on, and that was fried foods. And those were our comfort foods, let's say, that we'd go back to, and we just keep passing it down generation after generation. So when you mention traditional foods, these you're using that term to refer to how people in the, quote, Western world have been eating for many generations, like you said, but not necessarily native people, right? That's right. Now, I found something interesting, and I don't know how it is with the Wiat tribe, with your roots, if you know about this, but I was interested some years ago to read the work of a Native American researcher who looked at indigenous eating patterns. And basically, she made the point that one thing Native Americans did not do before European contact they did not uh, fry their foods. And I found that interesting. Everything else was on the list, baking, steaming, drying, cooking. But then mention, specific mention, no frying, no fried foods. What do you think about that? Is that too extreme for many people, or is it a good goal for all of us? I think it's a good goal for everyone. And what I recommend to people who are expressing an interest in having more better nutrition is to add some of those good things to your diet that you know is good mm. for you. And then, you know, as you go down the road, some of the things that aren't so good for you, you it'll just take up a smaller portion of your plate. And pretty soon the healthier part is taking up more and more of your plate and you're naturally eating less because you're being satisfied on that good food that your body needs. It's satisfied with it. So you don't need the other part as much and you're just gradually uh, becoming a healthy person. I just like that message so much. So your emphasis, Coral, in your education is not so much what people shouldn't be eating, but what they should be eating more of. That's right. It's a positive message. Um, People are surprised. Some people come to my classes and they're saying, what is she going to take away from me? You know, uh-huh. this, do I need to go home and empty out my refrigerator or my pantry? Uh-huh. And the answer is no, not uh-huh. at all. I'm going to help you become aware of what you're eating and what's good. And then you're going to gradually add all that more goodness to your diet and the bad is going to decrease and eventually drop off. I like that message so much because one of the ways that you can scare people off from the very beginning is really present to them the very strictest program you possibly could find. First of all, that's not what some people need. They don't need to be that strict to get some good outcomes. And the second thing is if a person uh, gets discouraged from the very beginning, it's not likely you're going to help them at all, is it? Not at all. In fact, I could share with you how, um, how you could eat... 50% uh, raw every day, and that would increase your um, 
your health tremendously without even mm. trying to be 100%. Really? There's okay. a way that you can eat, and it's going to be very similar to how you're eating now, but it's going to be more nutritious. Interesting. Well, Coral, our time has just about slipped away. If someone wants more information about you, about what you're doing, is there a place where they can get that? Yes. So the email address is coralrn at gmail.com. Uh-huh. Or my telephone number is area code 707-225-2812. And I would welcome uh, talking to people, answering questions, and seeing what I could do to best help you have a healthier life. Okay. Before we uh, have to say goodbye at the end of this segment, Coral rn for registered nurse at gmail.com and then the phone number i jotted down 707-225-2812 that's right okay we got to step away we've got more coming up on today's edition of american indian living another fascinating guest in our second half of today's show don't go away dr derose got more coming up from milwaukee wisconsin stay tuned american indian living will continue in a moment if you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero. Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So, whether it's around your neighborhood... Or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit WRInstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute, since 1936. My name is Tom Thornton. And my name is Cindy Thornton. We're retired, and this is how we live United. We decided to volunteer with United Way at our community free health clinic. United Way is how we contribute. Because we know our time and money are going to the right places. Judging by the thank yous we get at the clinic, I'd say we're doing the right thing with our retirement, too. We're Tom and Cindy Thornton. We volunteer at our community free health clinic. We don't just wear the shirt. We live it. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad Council. Diabetes affects more than 29 million Americans. If left untreated, diabetes can lead to serious health problems such as heart disease, stroke, blindness, and kidney disease. Your family's health history can be an important factor in determining your risk of developing diabetes. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you and your family. Do all you can to prevent or delay the onset of type 2 diabetes. Visit yourdiabetesinfo.org to learn more. You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. We are back with our second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. 
Sitting across from me, another health professional to lead off this segment, it's Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez. Dr. Rodriguez is a familiar figure for many of you who've tuned in to American Indian Living over the years. He's the medical director of International BioCare Hospital in Tijuana, Mexico. It's great to have you with us, Dr. Rodriguez. Great to be with you. Now, I know your uh, the name of your facility is... Uh, a distinctive one, and I'm not sure that I quite got it precisely right. Give me the full, correct name of your facility. I think you you said it perfect. Uh, International Biocare. It's uh, International Biocare Hospital. We mostly call it Biocare because it implies what we do. Mm -hmm. That's what exactly what we do. So for those who are not familiar with you or your program there in Tijuana, Mexico, just give us a quick overview of what you do there. Well, the basic philosophy or the basic foundation of what we do is exactly in those two words, biocare. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we go to the doctor, we assume, number one, the doctor knows best. Second, that the prescription he's going to give us is going to change everything. And we keep forgetting that we have a very dynamic, complex uh, physiology and biochemistry and everything. And not necessarily everything that we take is going to do what we think is going to do. Mm-hmm. A good example would be, for example, those people that say, let's say, talk about uh, alkalinizing in the body okay. by taking alkaline foods. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not that simple because actually the pH of the system depends on the metabolic conditions of that patient. Mm-hmm. What you ate, what you did, how you live, how much water you drank, how much you slept. All those things can change the pH of your body. And if you don't take attention to that, yes, you might take things that are going to switch the pH one way or the other, but that's going to be temporarily only because the body's chemistry is going to push the way it's pushing, period. So we have to think of the body as very dynamic and complex mechanism. So basically, you are someone who has become a fairly recognizable figure here at the National Congress of American Indians. I think I've seen you here for the last four or five years. Is that fair to say? That's correct, yes. And I know a lot of Native Americans are actually seeking your services down there in Tijuana. And that may seem like a strange place to go to get uh, treatment. Why are people crossing the border and going to your facility? Well, uh I ask myself the same question because why do we have to look for different places to do what should be very natural? Mm -hmm. The problem is that uh, most of the medical attention today relies in the fact that uh, if you give me a problem, I'm going to give you a pill. Mm -hmm. You see, we have this tendency to believe that for every symptom or for every disease, there should be a remedy, and that remedy comes in the form of a, of a pill, of a shot, of or anything like that. And mm-hmm. it's not that simple. Because a lot of the diseases that we're looking at today, in the first place, we produce them. We pay for them. Mm-hmm. We look for them. We try very hard to get them. And then when we get them, we're surprised that the doctor can do very little about it. Because, uh, let's face it, doctors... In spite of everything, we're not doing what we should be doing with people because once you have high blood pressure or diabetes or cancer or any of those diseases, the doctor is going to tell you you have to be on something for the rest of your life, which means I I will not be able to cure you. 
Interesting. So basically the very fact that a doctor puts someone on medication for their diabetes or their blood pressure, they're saying we can't cure you, we're just uh, controlling the disease. That's, that's exactly right. And the other aspect that uh, worries me the most is that we're talking of preventable diseases. Mm -hmm. Actually, the Center of uh, Disease Control in Atlanta, published in 19, I mean in 2014, uh, a paper where it says that 40% of today's diseases are preventable. Mm -hmm. That's almost half of them. So we, we don't even have to get them in the first place. I mean, we don't have to treat diabetes or uh, high blood pressure or, or cancer because we might be able to prevent it. And if worse comes to worse, we can delay it. And if you can delay a diabetes for 10 years, believe me, you made a substantial profit on that one. Now, you mentioned earlier that people are trying to get these diseases. Now, of course, no one is consciously trying to have diabetes or high blood pressure. But I understood your point, Dr. Rodriguez, to mean that the way people are living, it's as if they want to have these conditions. Is that right? That's absolutely right. A very good example is uh, the American Indian population, mm. the indigenous population of this country. And I could point at, at populations I know very well as the indigenous populations in, in southern Mexico okay. or in Hawaii, which okay. is another excellent example. Uh -huh. All of them were people that were very healthy, right. physically fit, in very good conditions. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, we discover this fantastic world of fast food, mm. abundant food, simple calories, refined calories, and we start eating them. Mm -hmm. And we start gaining weight. And after gaining weight, we start getting diseases. And the biggest problem for our indigenous population is we don't see the association between one and the other. Okay. You see? But... If you think what an American Indian ate not long ago, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. I was already almost a doctor 50 years ago. Okay. So it's, it's not, we're not talking about prehistory here. Mm -hmm. uh, and to what they eat today, there's a big difference. And we have been failing constantly to associate what we're doing with the diseases that we're developing. So historically, many people would look at hospitals as places where people got intensive treatment, medications, surgery, other procedures, and really uh, kind of an incidental matter was the diet there. They gave them some food, but that really wasn't the reason why people were there. I really see international biocare and institutions like yours saying that we're doing things differently. Tell us how different it looks, for example, in the area of the food. Well, it's certainly different. Our kitchen is seven times the size, the physical size of my pharmacy. Wow. And uh, if, if I were given uh, the, the choice of just picking one thing you can do for a patient, just one thing to help somebody, I would choose food over everything else mm. because I know I can make a lot of changes. Because this physiology, this biochemistry that I was talking about, relies on a lot of things, uh, relies on a lot of functions. Mm -hmm. And all of them are triggered and, and, and are managed by food. So whether we like it or not, food is the fuel, is the basic substance, the basic substract with which we are going to build ourselves 
and we're going to function. And if we don't take care of that, we're going to have problems. And that's if you, if you take your car and use only the cheapest fuel and you don't lubricate and you don't change the oil and everything, you're going to run through your wallet trying to fix a car that will never run correctly. So that's exactly the same analogy. We have to pay a lot of attention and learn to eat in a different way and learn to associate the two things and check our body max index and make sure that we're uh, healthy or fairly healthy and that we're not necessarily are going in the wrong direction. If you, lo- if you gain two pounds or three pounds this year and the next year another three pounds, think of 10 years, you're going right. to gain 30 pounds. Right. And it uh, doesn't take too much to, to realize that's not going to be good for you in, under any circumstance. Well, let's talk about some real-life examples. You've had many patients come through your facility. I don't know. Have you lost count on how many you've actually had come through the facility? I, I have. Uh, I have lost count. Uh, almost. I. I have to go to the files and check by <laughs> by numbers and everything. Yes, but we have had uh, amazing results, and some of those amazing results have many years. And that's one of the things that was pushing me into doing what I'm doing today. First, the frustration that I wasn't getting what I wanted. Mm-hmm. And second, the fantastic results of th- something that technically or officially shouldn't work. So I was uh, looking into that. I was always very curious uh, all through my career. And when I started seeing people getting better and better over things that were very simple, mm-hmm. you start wondering, well, what's what's going on? And... Uh, even though I didn't have a lot of the explanations or a lot of the science behind it as we have today, uh, I, I could see things happening. Mm-hmm. We had, for example, I remember distinctly an, a lady with a malignant melanoma in the eye that uh, doctors told her go home and do nothing. And uh, when she came to the hospital, she started on diets, on juices, on, on, mm-hmm. on, on things that we could do short of I mean, uh, for not just doing nothing. Uh, so we were working in that direction and, and doing coffee enemas and trying to, to get everything that I knew about in, in those days. And uh, all of a sudden, these tumors started to shrink, getting smaller. And this lady died like 35 years later. Wow. And uh, she was in her 50s when I met her. So she was 90 years old when she died. Wow. But some people tell you, well, that's a spontaneous remission. How, how, uh, what happened? It's not necessarily what you did. But then we got a patient from Australia uh-huh. with a malignant melanoma. It was removed. And uh, sure enough, she developed lymph nodes, uh-huh. metastatic lymph nodes. She had surgery and they were removed as well. And uh, she had actually a very extensive surgery to make sure this would not come back again, as Mm -hmm. surgeons always tend to think they can. And uh, like a year later, she developed metastasis to the liver. And then they were proposing another treatment. And it's when she says, no, Uh I'm going to go with Dr. Rodriguez. And when she came, believe me, uh, many times you're sitting with a patient and you're wondering what you're going to do because Mm -hmm. you think this is a very serious case. Of course. And, 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 you know, you don't, you, I wish I had all the answers in uh-huh. my hand. So we started working with this lady 
very thoroughly, very strictly. Mm-hmm. In, in that's the type of case where I would not hesitate to go a hundred percent vegetarian mm-hmm. and raw foods and this mm-hmm. type of, of of protocols. So you really but, think that makes a difference in cancer? Yes, and I'm going to tell you why in, okay. in a second. And this lady started getting better and better mm-hmm. and better and better until we could not uh, find anything. Okay. I flew back with her to Australia. Uh, to to the same hospital that had operated on her three times, that uh-huh. had already done all everything, people that had all the biopsies to make sure, yes, this is a malignant melanoma. You're uh-huh. not thinking you have something. No, it is for the uh-huh. real thing. And when they saw the whole case and they saw how they were, the oncologist only said, you're just a lucky lady. I mean, he was not curious about what happened. So, that's so, again, it just went away by itself, the so-called spontaneous remission, correct, huh? Correct. But you see that over and over again. Now, we do want to talk more uh, about uh, what's happening there at BioCare and some practical lessons for each of us, but we do have to step away just for a moment. Dr. Rodriguez is not going away. We're going to be talking more about some of the exciting stories happening at International BioCare Hospital in Tijuana, Mexico. We will be back with more on our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. DeRose. Stay tuned. We will be right back. Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids. I'm going to be an architect. My dream is to be a chef. At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of the American Mind. Learn more about money for college at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz. It started off as a normal day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant. Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand. And someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. 
You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with Dr. David DeRose for our final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. Dr. Rodrigo Rodriguez, sitting across from me, speaking to us about International BioCare Hospital in Tijuana, Mexico. Dr. Rodriguez, I know you've had many remarkable stories there. We've featured some of them right here on American Indian Living in the past. And I'm excited right now because you're talking with us about some of the biochemistry, if you will, behind cancer. Why is it so important in your estimation that individuals actually uh, get serious about their diet if they want to make a difference with their cancer? Uh, it's it's very, very important. <clears throat> and as I was telling you, when I began, I was doing it out of information that I had, out of uh, what I believed in. But right now, uh, as we speak, for example, uh, University of San Diego, University of California in San Diego, is testing the results to uh, chemotherapy, conventional chemotherapy, conventional uh-huh. cancer therapies on people with very high inflammatory markers. And it doesn't work. Huh. So if you bring that, uh, if you bring those markers, those inflammatory markers down, therapies start to become efficient okay. and work. And how you bring down inflammation? It's very simple. You eat right, more vegetables, more fiber. Fiber is essential to help you uh-huh. reduce meats. Uh, that anyone will tell you about it. And uh, another great thing to reduce inflammation is exercise. Ah, and okay. I don't, and I don't mean getting your sneakers and jogging or anything like that. Uh-huh. I'm just uh, talking about walking, moving mm-hmm. more, mm-hmm. doing a little bit of household uh, jobs, okay. like using a broom or mopping a floor. That all counts. All that counts. All and, and actually, there's a very interesting uh, British uh, study that shows that people that do household uh, duties uh, work out as much as people that go to the gym. So next time you have a Sunday with nothing to do, uh, you might as well clean your house and you're going to get a lot of benefit. But it actually reduces inflammatory markers. Of course, the hospital does a lot more for that because now there are substances that are natural, plant-based, that can bring down these inflammatory markers and make treatments more efficient. So tell us about some of the things that you're using at uh, International BioCare. Well, w- one is pectin. Pectin is the, it's a very natural substance, which is actually in the white of the, uh, of the orange. Mm-hmm. I mean, the problem is we just drink orange juice, but when you, when you peel an orange, you see in the peel all this whitey stuff, mm-hmm. uh, in the wedges and so forth. That's the pectin. It's very, very much anti-inflammatory. Mm. Talk about a, an apple a day. Mm-hmm. Apples are very rich in pectin. Okay. So if you have an, a, an apple a day, yes, you're going to give the doctor away. And if you take three apples a day, you just ate all the fiber and all the pectin you need in 24 hours. Wow. So there are many simple things that we can do. We at the hospital use a lot of these substances intravenous, higher uh-huh. doses, ah. because we're in a hospital environment. We use enemas mm-hmm. to uh, fast change the intestinal flora mm-hmm. uh, and help it to be more anti-inflammatory to reduce inflammation of the bowel. We check for dental decay. We check for any mm-hmm. sources of inflammation in the body 
that many times we take as a very simple thing, but they might have very important consequences. Very good. Now, a lot has been talked about lately, at least in the United States, about lack of sleep. How does that fit into this whole equation about inflammation? Huge, huge. So much that uh, it's been proven that people that work night shifts usually develop more disease and usually live shorter time. The Nobel Prize this year went to that effect. Mm -hmm. It's about circadian rhythm and how things can change. Even cancer therapies, they can be more efficient if we follow certain circadian rules as we do in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And you can get much more out of your treatment with the same amount of medication, with everything the same, but a lot more efficiency just by watching what time a day you're going to do the treatments. Wow. So a number of simple things that have been valued throughout Indian country for centuries, they're being basically studied by modern scientists. We're finding that they actually help decrease inflammation. They can help us fight cancer. But inflammation is also involved in other disease processes as well, isn't it? In everything that's killing us today heart disease, vascular disease, mm -hmm. Alzheimer's. Mm. Alzheimer's is now sixth cause of death in the United States. Wow. And all that is based on inflammation. So when uh, next time you're with your group of people, talk to the elders. What they ate, what they did, how they did it. Mm -hmm. and, and they were very respectful of all these uh, physiology biochemical cycles. Even though they didn't know they were doing this, mm -hmm. they were being very, very good for their bodies. So we're talking about natural substances that can decrease inflammation. You've mentioned pectin. Are there other things on the list that you include there at International BioCare Hospital? Well, basic minerals. Mm -hmm. uh, minerals is one of the parts that has been left out of our diet. Mm -hmm. uh, number one, because we eat less and less vegetables. Okay. And the vegetables we eat are normally very cultured. Mm. They're, they're not, uh, it's like, for example, it's a bigger difference between buying a bag of rice and buying a bag of uh, Minnesota rice, for example, uh -huh. from, from the Indian communities. It's a total different game. Mm. This, uh, this black Minnesota rice is very rich in fiber, in biotin, in pectin, in everything uh -huh. that we're talking about. And it's, it's a great food. It's very filling. Uh -huh. But we don't, we, we, for some reason, we just love white food. Uh, white flour, uh, white rice, white sugar, and that's destroying our systems. So there's a lot of talk about some nutrients being actually harmful, especially in excess, especially as we talk about some of these chronic diseases and inflammation. I'm thinking particularly right now of iron, which we need in some amounts, but in large amounts seems to be harmful. Other micronutrients seem to be more protective, where does uh, magnesium, for example, fit along that continuum? No, magnesium is a very beneficial uh, mineral. It's very beneficial. Uh, probably one of, the, one of the rules of thumb is if the mineral you're taking is going to be able to be eliminated in case you took too much. Mm. And that's the case of magnesium. Oh, if okay. you took too much, it's going to be eliminated. Uh -huh. But if you're low, you're going to have problems. Uh -huh. Now, magnesium is very rich in every live food. Okay. In vegetables, in fruits, and all these things, uh -huh. it's very rich for a reason. Now, iron, your body can only take so much. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. uh, but your, your own intestine can keep it in check. If you 
take too much by mouth, it's going to only absorb certain amounts. Mm -hmm. But if you take, for example, shots, or if you mm -hmm. take intravenous iron, you're, st you're stuck with it. Mm -hmm. And yes, it could be harmful. So don't let that happen unless you really have very good medical guidance. Iron is something you have to, to take only under a medical uh, direction. Very good. I know you could tell us a lot more stories, uh, Dr. Rodriguez, but as we're kind of winding up here shortly, anything else, any other patient that especially drives home uh, the points that we've been sharing today? Well, uh, we have a lot of problems, for example, with uh, just uh, everyday problems like uh, chronic fatigue and mm -hmm. people that don't mm -hmm. function well, people that do not sleep well, mm -hmm. people that are not in good mood. All those things can really be changed by making all these important changes in the lifestyle. And uh, what the hospital does very well is do it in a, in, in a fast uh, mode. In other words, a person that comes to a hospital for, let's say, a couple of weeks is going to make three, four or five months advances because you can go intravenously, you can go rectally, you can do 24-7 treatments, and that's going to help you to uh, rapidly jumpstart everything you want to do. Mm -hmm. So we have had fantastic cases of people that uh, I could tell you a lot of stories of people that radically changed their life because they decided to take that step. To say, I'm going to go to a hospital for two weeks. And as you were saying in the beginning, not because I'm sick, not because I have a very serious disease, but because I chose to do it. Mm. I want to change the way my body is functioning. I want to change the way my body is going or mm -hmm. the direction it's going mm -hmm. and change all that for the better of your future life. Before we close out the show, I know there's people, Dr. Rodriguez, that want to know how to get a hold of you, how to get more information about your program. How do they do that? They can uh, get to our webpage, uh, com. Bio, B as in boy, I-O, uh, carehospital.com. Biocarehospital.com or calling the toll-free number 800-701-7345. We welcome all your questions. We will not charge you anything. If you have a medical question, please send us an email. I will send you a very honest-to-God answer to tell you what I think of that problem. So let me see if I got this contact information right. I've got the website, biocarehospital.com. Is that correct? That's correct. And then the phone number, 800-701-7345. That's correct. Dr. Rodriguez, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me here. We've got to say goodbye. Listen, for all of us at American Indian Living, this is Dr. David DeRose, as always, wishing you the very best of health. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.